Welcome to the Crosswalk Church Podcast, Phoenix, Arizona. While you're opening your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, I just want to uh, remind you that on Wednesday, the 21st, we're, we're going to be having a great Thanksgiving Eve service. That will be our Thanksgiving service this year. And uh, we're going to actually worship outside on the bleachers. There's, uh, there's something behind that. Uh, our Thanksgiving service um, begins a month of compassion here at Crosswalk. And... Um, so all the Thanksgiving offering and also all the Christmas Eve worship concert offering is going to be going to our Compassions team so that we can continue to show the compassion of Christ in our community. Also on the Sundays in between Thanksgiving and, uh, and Christmas Eve, there'll be opportunities to make special offerings on those Sundays and you'll be hearing more about that in the coming weeks. I'm really excited about the Thanksgiving Eve service because the theme of that service is going to be fighting back against cold and darkness. We, we thought that being a little bit cold and dark might be good as a reminder that there are a lot of people in our community that don't have all the blessings physically that we have. And so we'll be, uh, we'll be sort of setting the whole theme of the service that night to remind ourselves that God has given us these wonderful gifts so that we can use them to show compassion to others. All right, Colossians chapter 3. I'm not going to read it right away. I'll come back to it in a moment. I want to talk to you a little bit about um, an insect as we get started this morning. An insect that I encountered in Africa, an insect called the tsetse fly. Tsetse fly is really one of the scourges of southern and central Africa, mainly because it carries inside of it a parasite, a single-celled protozoan creature known as a trypanosome. Trypanosomes are infamous in Africa because they are the organism which in humans causes sleeping sickness. And in cattle and also in large game animals, it causes a similar disease, not exactly sleeping sickness, but it will do things like reduce milk productivity in cows. It will cause the animals to become listless and tired. And over time, if it grows enough, it will actually end up killing the animals. And so it's a huge problem in Africa. And, um, For years and years now, scientists, governments, aid organizations have been attempting to find ways to get rid of the tsetse fly and the trypanosomes, these little protozoan creatures that they carry. The big problem in all of this is that mostly those efforts have been quick-fix solutions short-term answers to something that is really a huge long-term problem. One of the things that, that was tried, as you might expect, was the chemical DDT. Now, DDT, as far as I know, is still not outlawed in Africa, even though it was outlawed here many years ago, because it's well known that it's not very healthy for human beings to be, to be uh, subjected to DDT. And even though the scientists said, we don't think it'll cause any harm if we use low-dosage DDT and spread it over uh, a little bit wider area, but in a very thin layer, it should be okay. Nevertheless, the scientists, when they studied both cow milk and human milk, 
were finding that DDT was showing up in the milk and that it was showing up in an unhealthful amounts. But they were still spraying because they weren't taking the time to look at the long-term result. They were focused on the quick fix. Worse, as they tried to adjust a little bit to the problem, they kept on lowering the dose. And that created an even bigger long-term problem, this new quick fix. It created the problem that other insects, actually more dangerous insects, like the malaria-carrying African mosquito, was becoming immune to DDT. And actually, they were becoming sort of super mosquitoes, carrying super malaria. And now they had an even bigger problem. Yes, they were killing the tsetse fly. And the sleeping sickness was being cut back. But more and more and more, malaria was, was breaking out. Short-term answer for a long-term problem. Now, we can shake our heads at Africa and the silly people over there who somehow can't seem to think long-term until we start to look at Phoenix, Arizona. And some of the people right here in our own community, in our own country, that were looking for a quick buck. And therefore, in their look for a quick fix for their family finances, they, they bought houses. Some people bought two, three, four houses. Thinking, hey, I can make a quick score. And I think you know where that short-term fix has landed a lot of people now. You see, we're sort of enamored, aren't we? With the quick fix. The short-term answer. Instead of trying to look out there and look out and beyond. More than 10 years ago, a man named Stephen Covey wrote a book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It's actually the book that we've sort of uh, based this sermon series, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective Christians, on. And his second habit is begin with the end in mind. But as we looked in the scriptures, we got a little bit better definition of what the end is, don't we? In fact, a much more important definition of what the end is. And we know that the end is finally to land in eternity. And as we read this morning, and I'm going to read in just a second here, we're going to see the Apostle Paul speaking to the Colossians. The theme of this book of the Colossians is Jesus is enough. He is the fullness of everything that you and I need. And after he's taught the people about how Jesus is plainly enough for us, he, he now turns in chapter 3 and he says, so I want you, as you begin your day-to-day -day activities, as you live your life, I want you to keep focused out there, not on the day-to-day, -day, not on the stuff that's happening right here, but out there in eternity. So we're going to change that title from begin with the end in mind to what Paul is teaching this morning, begin with eternity in mind. Will you uh, take those crosswalk notes, or if you do have your Bibles with you this morning, I hope you do. Let's take a look at Colossians chapter 3. And let's read the first four verses. And if, if you would like to read along with me, that would be beautiful. You can read aloud with me. Colossians 3, verse 1, it's right at the top of your crosswalk notes. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.
Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. You know, it's true that spiritually, too, we might at times fall into short-term thinking. And, and one of the ways that we do that is that we forget what the Bible has to say about this life. Many, many times as you read through the scriptures, Old Testament, New Testament, prophet or apostle, or Jesus himself, we're reminded that this life that we're living is short. This life that we have right now, it is a temporary assignment. And it's so important for us to remember that because we need to know that we're headed somewhere other than this life, into eternity, an eternity that, that uh, the Bible describes as either an eternity of death, punishment for our sins, or an eternity of, of life, of heaven, of enjoying the full blessings of God and his presence and, and everything that you could imagine because our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ is, is right there. This life is a temporary assignment. But don't be fooled by that either. Don't be fooled by the fact that life is a temporary assignment because life can also, as temporary as it is, be very, very tough sometimes. Be very, very tough. And, and if, if I think about life and all the frustrations and the, the things that come at me, come at you, things that I get to learn about as your pastor every day, sometimes the picture that sort of develops in my mind of life is that it's like uh, an African rainforest. Any of you ever been to Hawaii and strolled through a true rainforest? It is so tough to make progress in a rainforest. There is stuff all over the ground, vines grabbing at your feet, bushes with, with long thorns on them clawing at your shoulder. Um, overhead, there doesn't seem to be any light because there's a, a thick canopy and it's the middle of the day, but you feel like you're walking almost at night. In a true rainforest, even if you have a machete sometimes, it's just so difficult with, with all these things grabbing at us. And I think sometimes, though life is a temporary assignment, we have to admit it weighs heavy. And it's difficult. It's a, it's a tough journey, like a journey through a jungle. And there are nasty things everywhere, aren't there, in our lives? Things that want to press themselves underneath the surface of your skin and get you frustrated and angry. Things that want to claw at you and hold you back in life, just like the, the jungle does. Vines, spiritual vines that trip us up and make us feel like it's pretty difficult to make progress toward eternity. You know, Paul talked about some of those things. In fact... In just the verse right after our text, he talks about the fact that life can be a jungle 
of sin. That our three main enemies, the devil, the world, the sinful world around us, and our own sinful flesh that we always struggle with, that they're going to be constantly clawing and tripping. Listen to what he says in Colossians chapter 3. And he encourages us to put these things to death. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived. But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all. Remember what we said about the theme of the book of Colossians? Christ is everything we need. Paul concludes this. He says, Christ is all and he is in all. Now go back over what I just read you in your mind. What were the jungle spiritual things that were threatening the Colossians that threaten you and me today sexual immorality impurity and lust all over our world today he calls them idolatry anger rage malice and some of these things by the way understand that they're not only the, the sins that grab us in the first place, but sometimes they're our reaction to life and its problems and its hassles, right? I mean, they're sin, true, but they're sinful reactions. I'm struggling to get through life and I'm feeling frustrated. And what do I do? I fly into a rage. It's my sinful response to trying to go through the jungle of life. Do not lie to each other, being dishonest. Slander, or what we might call gossip. Unbecoming language, filthy language from our lips. You know what Paul's encouraging us to do here? Be real. Be honest. Look at yourself. In light of what God wants for you. And he says, put Put those things away. They're not going to help you in life's jungle. It's not going to help you to go to pornography on the internet. It's not going to help you to fly into a rage. It's not going to help you to cuss if you're frustrated. It's not going to help you to chase money or success. Greed can't do it. You got to look beyond to eternity, he says. So be real. Where are your eyes right now? Where are your eyes? Are you letting the jungle of your life, the frustrations, the temptations, the hurts, the problems, does it feel like it's pressing all around you and there's just no way to look beyond? 
You know, if you're in a jungle, you might think that the most important thing for you to have is a machete, right? That way you can hack your way through the jungle. And I'm going to maintain that the most important thing that a person needs in the jungle is not a machete. The most important thing a person needs in the jungle is a hill or a tree or some way, maybe even a helicopter, to get above that canopy, to get out of all those things that threaten to tangle us up and trip us up and make us fall down, to get above and and see where it is we need to go. If only we had a hill, if only we had a tree, and we do, don't we? We have a hill called Calvary. We have a tree called the cross. So that when we get all tangled up in sin and life and frustration is all around us, we can climb up on that hill. We can look to that tree of Christ and stand on the strength that it gives us and look out and see eternity. And that's exactly what Paul tells us to do. He, um, he told it to the Colossians in chapter 2 here, chapter 3, verse 2. He says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. He, um, he tells it to, to us when he says, look, you've been made alive with Christ He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code. We'll go into that verse a little bit more. You know what you don't want to do is at the end of your life, look around and say, I wish I'd have climbed that tree. I wish I'd have gotten up on that hill. Put a verse in your crosswalk notes, a verse written by a very wise man, Solomon. In the book of Ecclesiastes, he writes about his life experience looking back. And he says, you know what? I tried it all. I tried the pleasures of this life. I tried working hard, workaholism, just burying myself in my work. I tried everything. But you know what? Because my focus was not on things above, it was on this life. I feel like my life was a worthless mess. Take a look at what it says. In your crosswalk notes. Let's read it exactly. Ecclesiastes 2, 10 and 11. Solomon writes, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my work. By the way, workaholism can be an escape from the jungle too. And this was the reward for all my labor. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done, what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. Imagine getting to the end of your life and feeling that. A chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. So here's our first truth for this morning. Here's the first point I want to make. Think about that eternal perspective and think about your heart and your mind. Are you doing what the Apostle Paul says right here in three one? Set your hearts on things above. And in verse 2, set your minds on things above, your heart and your mind. Where are they? And be real. Where are your eyes right now? 
That's our first point. If life is a temporary assignment, and as I said earlier, that's exactly what the Bible tells us it is, there's a comfort to that. There's a comfort because it tells us that there's an end, a limit to this jungle, this life that we live. And that's comforting because it tells us that there's a a better place, a place that's not going to be tripping us up all the time. Paul says, look up, not down, remembering that that place outside the jungle, really it's already yours. That place called heaven or eternity. Take a look again at Colossians 3. And I want you to notice the verb tenses there. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Since then. Past tense he says. You have been raised with Christ. Already done. It's a done deal. When Christ rose from his grave. Spiritually speaking. You all rose too, to begin a new life. A life that will end certainly in eternity because of what Jesus has done for you. Since then you've been raised with Christ. And in chapter 2, I made reference to this verse just a moment ago. He makes the very same point in more detail. This one's in your crosswalk notes. Look at it. Colossians 2, 13 and 14. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations. The law, God's rules and regulations, the the part of the scriptures that reveals God's holy will and the fact that he must have Holiness in each and every one of us. And if there isn't holiness in each and every one of us, his threats of punishment, Paul says, canceled, done, no more, because we have Christ. And through him, all our sins are forgiven. All that that was against us and stood opposed to us, he took it away. Nailing it to the cross. It's a done deal. Past tense. It's a reality that we should be living with every day as we look to eternity. When I was reading this, it reminded me of a movie I saw a couple months back called Rescue Dawn. It's a true story of a German man who grew up in Germany, in Nazi Germany, as a little boy when... In World War II, the, 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 the war was coming to an end. And every day, little Dieter Dengler would look up into the sky and he would see American bombers coming over. And in his mind, he thought, one day, I want to be a pilot. And after the war was over, he actually developed this huge admiration for American troops. When he grew up, he decided he was going to be a U.S. Air Force pilot. He emigrated from Germany and came across to America and signed up to be a pilot in the U.S. Air Force. He went through his training. He did become a pilot, and he was on his very first mission. It was a secret mission over Laos. No one could know that Americans 
were sending flights to bomb Vietnamese, Viet Cong camps that were in Laos. On that very first flight, Dieter Dengler was shot down and he was forced to parachute into a thick jungle. When he was captured, and he was, and he was put into this prison camp, the jungle was actually so thick around the camp that they didn't even build a fence or a wall of, of any substance around the camp because all the camp supervisors said, there is no way for anyone to ever get out of this jungle alive. Let them escape if they want to. But Dieter Dengler had one thought in his mind, and it came from his training as he sat there. And that thought was he had been trained never to lose hope. That, that U.S. forces never just leave their troops to die or to be captured forever. Someone would be looking for him. Someday, he had been promised, there would be a helicopter that, that would fly over, that would come down and pick him up and, and take him out of that jungle. And Dieter Dengler believed that promise. He believed that the U.S. Air Force would not leave him there to rot. But he was there for first weeks and then months. He never lost hope, but then one day he realized, I, I've got to do something myself to try to make the rescue easier, to at least, hopefully, have someone know where I am. And so he determined to run through the jungle. He, he escaped. And after days and days of hacking his way through the jungle, of nearly being recaptured again, he found himself on a river, starving. And um, the only thing he could find to eat was a live snake, which he grabbed up out of the river. And he took a big gnawing bite out of that snake. He was so hungry. And as he was chowing down on this snake, all of a sudden he heard this sound in the distance. A helicopter. See, all these days and months he'd been looking up in the sky, thinking to himself, one day a helicopter is going to come. I know it. I've been promised it. And here he is. And in the space of five minutes, he goes from being buried in this jungle, hardly able to move, gnawing a snake. And he's picked up by this U.S. helicopter. And one of the other troops in the helicopter hands him a Butterfinger bar and says, here, eat this. Isn't that awesome? You see, that's what I'm reminded of by Paul's words. Because what Jesus is really telling you and me is as we're trying to make our way through this jungle life of sin and temptation and frustration and hurt and pain, rescue has already been started. The helicopter is there. God's helicopter of his grace. And, and Paul is really saying, keep your eyes on the sky. Because Jesus Christ is in control. He's at the right hand of God. Do you notice those words in the text? He's at the right hand of God. You know what that means? He's in full control of this world. Believe it. Never doubt it. 
Know that it's an accomplished fact that your salvation has been won. Eternity is already yours. Now, I hope I do this right because the head basketball coach of uh, ALA is here. And I have one other way to illustrate this. He'll correct me if I get it wrong. Have any of you ever uh, played or coached basketball? Another way of looking at the jungle of life or the way things can put a lot of pressure on us and drive us into sin is as to look at life as if you are handling the ball and all of a sudden there's a full court press on you. You know what it's like to feel a full court press in your life, don't you? But do you know how to break a full court press? It starts here. You break a full court press, first of all, by having the thought in your mind, hey, if there's two guys on me, or three, maybe, you know what that means? Somebody out there doesn't have a guy on them. And if I'll just stop focusing right here where all these guys are waving their hands and moving around and snatching at the ball and grabbing, if I'll look over that... And look out there, there's an open guy. And by looking down court, now come to an ALA game sometime. And, and watch Mr. Meyer stand up during a full court press and yell, look down court. He'll do it. Because that's what Jesus is telling us today. When, when life is putting a full court press on you, when Satan and sin and the world is waving its evil hands in your face and trying to get you to focus right here in front of your own face, look down court. You know who's down court? Jesus is down court. And he wants to take your pass and he wants to make your life a slam dunk. So that's the second key point that we have to learn this morning. How to break a press. And the way that you break a press is, is, is simple. Trust that eternity. Though hidden away behind all the stuff of daily life, behind this full court press, behind the jungle, eternity, though hidden away, is already your possession. Now here's the really cool thing. If you keep eternity in mind, it's very relevant to what you do today. Very relevant. Imagine if you could make all your day-to-day -day decisions, the ones that you're going to make this afternoon, in light of looking toward eternity. What if you could begin everything you do every day with eternity in mind? Wouldn't that be awesome? And Paul says you can in fact, Paul kind of says, too often we don't do that. We forget to look down court. We forget there's an edge to the jungle and a helicopter waiting to rescue us. We forget there's a hill to climb and a tree to look to. And Paul says, don't forget. Keep God's grace Keep eternity always in mind. Take a look back at our text. Will you look at that again with me? You got your crosswalk notes or your Bible? Look at what he says. Verse 3, for you died. 
Your old way of life is already gone. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. The life you're living now is a life of being in Christ with God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And then verses 1 and 2. As you live your life, set your hearts on things above. Verse 2, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Jesus once told a story of how looking forward to eternity can impact your life today. It's kind of a weird story. It's maybe one of the weirdest parables there is because Jesus actually compliments a dishonest guy in this parable. So you have to kind of separate that out. But it's a story of a guy who's a manager. And he's doing a poor job of managing. He's getting fired. And he knows he's getting fired. And he also knows, he says to himself, when I get fired, it's going to be ugly because I can't dig ditches anymore. I'm not made for that at this point in my life. I I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to make it work. And then one day, Jesus says, he gets this idea. This is the dishonesty part. He calls in everyone that owes debts to his boss. And he says, I'm going to slash your debts. I'm going to give you a big discount. You owe mega barrels of olive oil to my boss? Cut it in half. You owe a thousand bushels of wheat to my master? Take 200 off, make it 800. And in that way, he creates opportunity for himself in the next stage of life. Now, Jesus compliments that guy. Isn't that amazing? But not for his dishonesty. He he even acknowledges that what that guy did was dishonest and wrong. But do you know what he does compliment him for? Not getting stuck in the present. He compliments, he calls him shrewd because he's able to look to the next stage of life. And then Jesus says an amazing thing. I put it in your crosswalk notes. Take a look at it. Luke 16 verse 9 is where this story is. Here's the conclusion Jesus draws. He says, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Isn't that amazing? What a great example. You've been given worldly wealth, just like Jesus is talking about. And and what does he say about our day-to-day decisions about that? He says, think about this day-to-day wealth that you've been given as a gift from God from an eternal perspective. And do you know why God gave you the stuff that you have, the money in your account? the car that you drive, the roof over your head. There's only one reason, Jesus says, to make friends for eternity. In other words, to use this stuff so that more people will be where? In heaven, with you, your friends forever. Now that's a great example of how to take an eternal perspective and translate it into what we got to do today. You ready to do that? 
Because you know the opposite is to be Lot's wife. You know what Lot's wife did, right? God had told her to move on. Time to go to the next stage of life. Get out of Sodom. Sodom is going to be destroyed, right? Because her husband Lot is leaving, her family is leaving, she starts to stroll. But you know what? It's desert out there and barren hills. And she's leaving behind a beautiful oasis of a city, a wicked city, no question, but a beautiful oasis of a city. God says to her, don't look back. Stay focused ahead. But her heart is torn. Sometimes our heart is torn. Sometimes we find it hard to keep looking ahead to eternity. And you know what Lot's wife did, don't you? In her torn heart, she couldn't resist looking back one more time. And she turned into a pillar of salt, the Bible tells us. Day-to-day decisions made in light of what? Looking back to the little oases that, that life gives us or looking forward to heaven that Jesus has already given you by his death on the cross, by his resurrection three days later. What are you going to do? And that's our third point. The answer to that question of what you're going to do is our third point. It's this. Determine to make day-to-day decisions on the basis of eternal priorities. Just like Paul says, Colossians 3, 1 and 2, set your hearts Set your hearts on things above. Set your minds on things above. So let me wrap it up this way. For those who are down here in the jungle, like you are, and I am, it's vitally important that we figure out how to get an eternal perspective. Otherwise, stuff is going to be clawing at us, grabbing at us, Satan, sin, our own flesh, the troubles of daily life, the worries of life are going to be grabbing us and trying to rob us of our faith. So get up, get above, look up is what Paul says. There's no room for idolatry of things below, for being Lot's wife. There's no room for throwing up our hands in self-pity and anxiety and saying, it's all too much, I can't deal with it anymore. There's no room for any of those things. There's no room for the attitude that says no one cares. There's no room for that because you know, beyond any shadow of a doubt, you know someone cares for you. Otherwise, he wouldn't have sent you his son. Someone loves you so much that he gave up his very life for you by being tortured on a cross. Someone cares very much, and he still cares today from that throne at the right hand of God, sitting in eternity. Do you know what? As much as I've been saying to you today, Set your mind on eternity? Do you know where Jesus' love for you began? Do you know where it began? In eternity. 
the Bible tells us. God's love for you started before the creation of the world. And it will not end until you are side by side with him in heaven. Let's take a look at our next step. Imagine, examine your own heart and mind. It's so important that we start there. Do we need to repent of some things? Are your perspectives, plans, and priorities lined up with eternity? Life is a temporary assignment. Don't forget that. But once you've examined your heart, examine Jesus' heart. Trust that Jesus has your eternal life on his heart. His kindness to you began in eternity and continues from his throne today. And finally, meditate on and memorize Colossians 3, 1 and 2. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you've brought us here today to give us an eternal perspective on our life. Remind us that this life is only temporary. And as much as it can be hard, like a jungle, like a full court press, remind us that you're there out and beyond all of this. And that you have already rescued us by going up on that hill and climbing up on that tree. Lord God, Heavenly Father, do not let us lose an eternal perspective on all that we do every day in our lives, thanking you for always keeping us in your heart. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Crosswalk Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at crosswalkphoenix.com.